Welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Here we talk about issues in the wide world of sports, ranging from local issues from the Nigerian scene to global issues. And uh, we like to make it an all-sports affair. Sports 360, we can go anywhere, any sport. My name is DG Omoto Imbo. And I'm Adeyemi Adesoya. I am Akimbo De Ogutui. So guys, the Super Eagles are through to the next Nations Cup in Cameroon. 2022. It was supposed to be 2020, was it? Or yes. 2021? It's going to be 2022 now. Mm. Super Eagles are through to that competition after the last couple of games. In fact, they qualified like the normal <laughs> Nigeria with, with two, two games, games to spare. Yes, <laughs> because eventually they didn't have to, they didn't need to win. To win or they, they, they had qualified because uh, Lesotho and uh, Sierra Leone played the best run earlier on Saturday. Now, the question is, how many home-based players will make the trip to Cameroon, if any? I mean, you guys know my position about the Super Eagles and home-based players. Three were in the squad for the games. Uh, John Noble, a goalkeeper from Ayimba, Adikula Deleke, a defender from Abia Warriors, and Anayoy Wale from Ayimba as well, who actually played some minutes in the game in um, Port Novo. And uh, those were the three. You mean to say that um, three players were called up to replace players that couldn't make the trip? Because <laughs> were in Italy, <laughs> I, I think John Lobo was called up originally. Yeah, John Lobo was called up. John Lobo was called up, so he was, he was the it only was one. Exactly. Players, you know, one because, player, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and you see, my, my, my question is this, or my, my position, as you guys know, is this. Um, when you play any game or any competition, and you know you have a squad of 23, from experience, 18, 17, 18 players are the ones that usually get to play. Max. 11 that will start, three or four that will come off the bench, maybe another two or three that are the squad that's 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 you're adding to the mix. A number of players, even in the competition of two, three weeks or one month, a number of players never ever get to get on the pitch. And even when you want to play qualifying matches mm-hmm. before you go to a tournament, any match that you're playing, only 14 players will get on the pitch. So this is my theory. This is what I feel we should do. We've complained so much about the local league and all of that. I believe we have to come up with policies that actively promote and grow the local league, the MPFL as, as it is. And I'm thinking, any Super Eagle squad, why don't you make it mandatory? This is my suggestion. Mandatory to have 23, five of them from the league. 18 from wherever. I think with 18, because people are saying about the quality and all of that, with 18 top-class professionals, you should still be able to get whatever results you want. But I think what that picking five from local league does for the league is immense. It generates excitement in the local league those of us journalists are wondering which are the five players that will make it. It creates some kind of confidence boost for the players who eventually picked. It draws attention more because some people will see those players and want to start watching them. I just feel that we need to do something critical because we keep having Super Eagles and there are no home-based players. If the league is as bad as people are saying it is, but how are we growing it if we're not coming up with specific Policies to help grow it, and that's the thing, DG. Um, so some people have argued that um, the, the the problem 
or the major challenge is not about uh, calling up players for the Super Eagles, but in 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 doing stuff that will make the league appealing to fans yeah. back mm-hmm. home. And I mm-hmm. agree. Uh, because, uh, if, if, if you insist on, one of the reasons why you don't, why you don't see players in the spiral is because some, even some of the coaches do not know the players. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a case of one of the, so one of the officials who said that, um, uh, that, oh, uh, I, I monitor the reason why there are no home based players in, in the Eagles is because from my, from my laptop in England, I can monitor all the players across Europe, but I can't monitor players in the Nigerian league. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds, uh, corny. It sounds BS. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there's a bit of sense in it. That's why I said that there are some things you also need to throw into the heart, into, 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 into the circle. Okay. To make it easy to select these players. I agree with you that the players should be, home players should be, should, should be in the Eagles. But I think there, there are a lot of, there, there are a whole, a whole lot of things we, we need to do around the league to ensure that the players are visible, the players are, the, 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 the players have the appeal, because I mean, if the public gets to see them and, 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 and fans can say, Hey, we like this guy. We saw him last week. The, the, even the voice of the fans, it will become difficult for the coach to ignore. Now, as some have said, Oh, oh, come on. As soon as you call them up, up, up to the goals, they disappear abroad. That argument also is BS. Because if you call up 12 today and all 12 go abroad, call up another 12. <sighs> Just keep rolling it. Look. I wonder. Um, that was, that, that was why CAF, when they set up, um, uh, the, 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 the uh, African Nations Championship yeah. for home based players. Mm. And some people are like, oh, um, if they play, they will travel. Yeah. As long as you are, as long as you are, you are playing on the, on the, on the African continent. Mm. Once you travel, you are not more eligible. So it will be your, your duty as a player. You know, that you are going abroad and you still want to play for the Eagles. Make sure your game is improving. Mm. But that, mm. those 13, 14, 16, 15 slots for foreign base players will be for the best of the best. The five or four for the home base players will be for the best of the best. Mm. So everybody's covered. So you know, because look, I, you can't tell me, we, 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 we've had this argument for, for years. Back and forth. That yeah. we, cannot, we cannot find one defender, one out of the, uh, the 20 clubs in Nigeria, one that mm. will stand out. Whether four defenders, back, per, four club, defenders per club. Times 20. 80 come on, defenders. 80, come on. It's, it's impossible. And that is what, because Anayo that came on against, um, against Benin, he played well. Yeah. And, and we've seen, we've seen players being called up who play well, and then they are discarded or they are played mm-hmm. out. So for me, I agree with the argument. Hear me your thoughts. Where do we start? <laughs> from I the th- beginning. I think where we, exactly, where we need to start from is the beginning of the neglect of the home base players. And I think, God rest his soul, Amadou Shaibu is probably the one most responsible for this. I think he made a comment some time ago, some time ago that mm-hmm. there's no good home base player or no home base player was good enough to make the Super Eagles. I think that was the genesis of the problem. See, that, that's the, the day Amadou made that statement, it was, uh, it was one briefing before I asked him a question and I walked out of that meeting because I was so upset <laughs> because my colleagues were smiling I was like you guys you, 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 you don't understand what this bag was saying and you know years down the line that are, statement keeps echoing oh, I, I was oh, yeah. thinking guy you live here you cover this league you, you have trained players you have won tournaments with with players, 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 African, and you are saying this I was so incensed that day I, I walked out of that meeting yes. <laughs> my take is that the my suggestion is should be a policy. It's like you are hiring a swag because you tell him, look, oh here, when you are announcing your squad of twenty three players for any match, 
five of them must be from our local league. So your job is to make sure you go around or your scouts go around and you have five players from our local league. We're doing it as a policy to promote and grow our league. In England, there was a time young players, teenagers, people from their players from their academy were finding it difficult to make the grade into the first team setup of Premier League clubs because Premier League clubs could go scour around the world and bring players in. When they realized that there was no clear path or the path for their players was closing, they came up with a policy to say every club must have a homegrown, not necessarily English, a homegrown talent, the number of homegrown talents in their squad. Because people come with the argument that you can't tell clubs or you can't tell a coach how to run. I'm saying that the way these things are going, we need to grow this league. We need to have specific policies that help to grow this league. And I can't think of anything better. And especially when, like I said, 11, 14 players will play competitive matches. 18, 19 will get on the roster for international competitions. And like Buddy also said, you cannot tell us that we don't have three, four players on the local league, no matter how bad you say the local league is, that can fit into a team of nine, ten additional players and do a decent job. It's interesting I use the example of England, even though mm. the clubs found a way around it by, you know, where some foreign players make mm. the grade as yeah. well talent. Now, there are two schools of thought to this policy. Yeah. Um, one school of thought says it encourages a bit of mediocrity, um, means you are creating a quota system mm. of sorts. Whilst I do agree with your stance, but we're dealing with people running our football who have somewhat of a complex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with respect to how they handle the league, how they handle products of the league. Now, one of the reasons why they have such a complex is because it's easier for them to call a young man of Nigerian descent who probably has no ties in Nigeria to play for the Super Eagles because, yeah, obviously, and we've always had that. We go mm. from John Fashion, John Salako, John Chidozi. You know, they're there. But we have a set of people running our football today who believe that it's better to call those guys than the guys here. Why? One of the reasons is economic. Economic reasons because you can owe those guys money and they probably won't run to the press. But you owe an own base player who has people at home that expect that ah, Baba has collected $10,000 match bonus. He's supposed to send something mm. down. If you don't pay him, there's a chance he will tell a journalist that come, they've not paid me. Mm. But the guys of Nigerian descent above, they really don't have any you ties. Know, you know, no, you know, yeah, me, really... while I agree with you to an extent, I'll disagree with you. And this is, this is one of the problems I have. If, for instance, we have such a wide range of talented footballers of Nigerian descent abroad. I will understand. I'll use a, an example. And no matter what you say, I can never agree. When Maduka Okoye was brought into the national team. <laughs> no, it's true. But he, let's face it. It can't happen anyway. I have nothing against the young man. He's probably a very good goalkeeper. No, I know, no. Let's, but, <laughs> why you say he's probably a good goalkeeper? Mm. He's a goalkeeper. At the point he was brought in, I had not watched him. But okay. this is what I'm saying. This was my argument, what I'm saying. But now you have seen him. What do you think? He's not better than most. Okay, so <laughs> okay. as far as I'm concerned, he's not spectacular. He's, he's decent, but he's not spectacular. Because at the point we brought him into the national team, 
he was playing regional football, third or fourth division football. At that point, at the point, he had the craziest start I've ever had in football. He had more national team games, more international caps than club appearances. For me, that was ridiculous because you grow your, your, your career from club level and you get into the international stage. And you cannot tell me at that point in time that there are 20 clubs on the local scene. Each club has two, three goalkeepers. We're talking about 40 to 60 goalkeepers. And you're telling me that it is a goalkeeper in the first tier of the German Bundesliga that is better than all those 40 or 60 goalkeepers. I can't accept that. Because I hear me say, for me, it's inferiority complex. Because he's playing abroad, you feel he must ordinarily be better than anything we have here. So I'm saying that that policy is harming because now you're bringing all kinds of players of Nigerian descent. Once they have in, you know our names are unique. Once they have a Nigerian <laughs> sounding name, you go look for them and you are not even taking a look yeah. at the players here. Yes. And I think it's detrimental to the group. Look, if we continue this league right now, there's no sponsor. There's hardly any local interest. How are you going to generate the interest? I feel the Super Eagles as the biggest brand in our football body should be used to more or less let it percolate down to all our other leagues. And like you said, we watched some, some of those guys are playing. Look at what happened in 2013. Some people were saying the home-based players are not good enough. Yeah. We won the Nations Cup with the home-based players scoring the winning goal. Did you know what? You know what? South Africa will not be at this Nations Cup. They will not be. They, 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 they made a deliberate policy mm. to play more of their home-based players in, in their national team. Yeah. And some will say... She yeah, don't they are not, mm. they are, they are not mm. going to the nation's cup. But I sat down and I was thinking that would be a foolish thought. It will you, be. you know why? I think um, sometime last year, two years ago, they said for the first time their sponsorship crossed one billion rand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that their sponsorship crossed one billion rand. That's the sponsorship. sponsorship that's a the lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. So what it means is that the league is growing. They are not going to the nation's cup. If they go to the nation's cup, what is the what is the game? How much are they going to get from? Exactly, because when you win the nation's cup, how, how much do they give you? Three exactly. million dollars, three million dollars. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, you have a league that is worth a billion, billion rand, which billion is rand. a lot of money. money. So I'm thinking, these guys understand that they are winning the war, but they, are, they, are, they have lost a battle, no nation's yeah. cup, mm. but they are winning the war of growing their league. Exactly. And yeah, we are saying, but no. We don't ask for years, but I guess I go to the Nations Cup. You know, because it is foolishness. See, yeah, because you see, our brand is all about. My fear is that our football line is all about the Super Eagles. No, yeah. it, it is it's what it is. It's only Eagles. about the Super Eagles. Now we are going to the Nations Cup next year, and I tell you, between now and next year, all other aspects of our football will suffer because everybody is just it's waiting for the Nations Cup to start. And at the Nations Cup, the best we can do is to win it. And like what they said, get two or three million dollars. That is if we even win it. But here you have a league that, you know, I've said it, there's no country in the world. If you kill your local league and you think you can excel at the international level, you are just trying, it's like man trying to build a house from the top yeah. down. It's not going to work. So I go to go for one competition or the other. The competitions we've been, I said, we've been to the last, we've only missed, so since 1994, we only missed one World Cup. Yeah. That was in 2006. Yeah, That's the only World Cup we missed. Mm. 
But there's, how there's, there's has no Nigerian football been benefited from Super Eagles nah. going to the World Cup? How has local football grown? Yeah, no, no way. You know, there's even another consideration. You know, these um, North African teams, they seldom send players abroad. In fact, Egypt had, Egypt had a policy that a player could not go abroad until the players reached a certain age. They, they, they ensure that they, they, uh, they, 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 they build them up to a certain point, and sometimes some of them even they, they never leave. You know, even in going for that, you know, with respect to that, you look at the issues of players like Habutrika, who were more uh, yeah. locally based and probably diminished their so called global status. And then Egypt have even gone further because they realized that they're not producing enough goalkeepers on the local scene. Then for something here, goalkeeper mm, yes. at the last club. So what they do, they put a restriction on their clubs on signing foreign goalkeepers and telling them, look, we have to grow this aspect of our football and improve the state of goalkeeping in the country. I think it, 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 it rounds up my point. People say our local league is so bad and all of that. My question to the NFF, LMC and all that, if this league is as bad what are you as doing? you say, what are, are you doing, doing to improve it? To make things, or are we just going to fold our arms and agree that the league it's is bad, bad and, so, and that's the end of it and so be it? Then it's an indictment on them. True. They don't do something. Something true. has to be done. The policy might appear, my son might appear crazy, stupid, whatever. But at least I made a suggestion. What are they? The ones, the custodians of our football, what are they doing to make things better for the local league. On that question, we go to a few clubs trying to show a new face of local club side football yeah. in Nigeria. They're in the lo- lower leagues. Uh, we'll mention their names for reference um, and for to encourage them to keep doing what they're doing, also to learn a few things from what our conversation is about. The first one I'll mention is Van Dreza FC. They've been in the news <laughs> for all the past few weeks. But I'll let Bodhi set the tone. Vandressa has been in the news over the past few weeks. Can you tell us what's been going on with them? Is it is a club that is in the NNL? That is second tier yeah. Yeah. of our league. They're trying to do things differently. They're trying to come up with global best practices. And there are a few stories around them over the past few. Can you just set the table for us? Uh, first off, um, Vandreza, I think in the past year, they have broken all the records for, uh, by Nigerian clubs on social media. Okay. The followership, uh, both on Facebook and, and on Twitter, has been amazing, and it keeps growing like daily. They are doing amazing work with with, with their with their uh, with their media. They send out snippets of of um of their highlights of of their game and yes, all that. Mm-hmm. Um. They are, they also, the traveling style. Okay. The, the setup is so professional. It is, it is amazing. But they are stepping on toes in that. They got, to too many things they got a quickly. letter. Yes. They got, a, uh, they got a permit from the NNL to record and broadcast all their games live. Home and, home and away. Home and away. Now, if you know the Nigerian League, you know that some teams do not, do not like television for <laughs> for, di- for different reasons, and so when Van Dreza arrives at his at, at, at a stadium with their twelve to fourteen cameras to cover a game mm. that sees everything, the clubs are already uh, they, they are trained They're up in arms. They're up in arms, and the argument has been twofold. Some are saying, "Look, you can have a right to your home games, and you can do whatever you like with, with your home games, but when you go to other person's stuff, you can go with the camera, not twelve. 
and you cannot be broadcasting my home matches to your fans. Benefiting from it, I'm probably benefiting from it. A, so that has that has been a gray area. It has been a gray area. In fact, they are playing against my team next, Shooting Stars, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I saw uh, um, uh, George, George Essien, uh, their, their media man, and I said, George, when you are coming to play us, please come with one camera. <laughs> and we had a laugh over it, and then he, show, he, he proceeded to show me some of some of the things that I I must tell you, DJ. The, the coverage is impressive. Yeah. Slow mo, different angles. It was, it's, look, which I, I think what the, the NNL, they've got to find a framework yeah. to ensure that these guys do what, what, they, what they need to do without trampling on the rights of other people. Because it is development. You can't run away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. All right. Uh, good point in what they want to do. But it also goes to underline the weakness of the legal structures. We have in place. Yeah. Do they have the right? What rights do they really have? <laughs> they have the rights to only record. Do they have the rights to go to an away stadium and record and broadcast those games when eventually they might be making money from it and the mm. home team is not getting any benefit from it? We understand all the negativity. I don't want cameras here because things happen. Yeah. We can't run away from yep. it. Things happen and the home team wants to be protected. We won't have super sport where. <laughs> uh, broadcasting the league and some players say, why do you keep coming to Ibado every time mm-hmm. go to another stadium mm-hmm. look yeah. because that, that's one we, we, I will fight you naked on the streets <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, they came to Ibado like five weeks in a row yeah, you, come you, on because now. for them it was convenient Lagos Ibado was convenient and all that <laughs> but you know but yeah, I mean, the thing about it is that there's a lack of education about so many things around our league oh, and yeah. there's a lack of openness about so many things about our league Vanessa is trying to do Things the right way. They're trying to be innovative. They're trying to be creative, which is very good. Yeah. You know, but the NNL must come up with, let's know what the statutes say. Can you go and record away matches? Do you have the right without telling the home team that any away team can come and, you know, so there are still gray areas. But a very critical aspect are the gray areas mm. because they are playing expansive, plenty. What the league knows is I can come with one or two cameras to record the game. Now, not a full production crew, crew set up everything. Of course, first of all, the, the home fans will be like, oh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. That's the first problem. Especially when you know that that means whatever shenanigans happens here, will be, no one will see. see yeah. Now, because as a league, we have not addressed the potential, income potential, of live streaming game. Yeah. So that's another gray area because Van Reza can put the footage on YouTube or whatever and make tons of money off it because probably people yeah. are viewing yeah. or yeah. they have an app, an app yeah. where people are subscribing. And then to, the away team and then will not benefit away, from that. The, the home team that you take the camera to doesn't get a dime from what you're because doing. Because like it or are, not, Quote unquote, it's the IP is as well. Yeah. There's yeah. your property as well. Yeah. So these are certain areas that it's unfortunate that, you know, we, we're still struggling with sorting out broadcast rights in for the, the MPF. Exactly. And we no, talked no, about that. Even at calf level. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> even at calf level. Yeah. broadcast rights at calf level, then you come to super equity level, then you come to MPF level. So I think it's a conversation that even the NNL can champion yeah. and set a blueprint that can dictate how 
the entire football community in Nigeria looks at rights from a completely but different you see, perspective. You see, Yemi, th- that is the challenge. Sometimes I feel that the followership in Nigerian football, they are far more advanced than the leadership. Yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah. saw it in the era of the Levent United and Abela Bibbs. Um, in fact, there, there, there was, um, there, there, uh, there was uh, one snippet of um, the late Chief Abiola talking about his, his experiences, you know, and saying, look, I can't keep doing this. I have the love, I have the organization, mm. but when you get to the level where you expect to have support, support that would, they, are drive, they are dragging you back. <laughs> you can't keep throwing money away. Exactly. That's why I feel that the structure of the leadership, we, might, we, might, we may need to find a way to change it. Let those who have the know-how, for instance... Um, uh, we are talking about, uh, about Vandreza now. We'll get to Bagada FC. These guys are setting up a structure that is working. Mm-hmm. Why can't we throw up this kind of people into the leadership? So that when they are, they are speaking, because they've been there, because they are well educated in these matters, not generally. Yeah. Because they now say we are, we are calling us illiterate. No. In these <laughs> matters, generally, they can create policies that will benefit everybody. Well, you know what I feel, buddy? There's an aversion to change. Yes, there is. The established powers to actually, as, as laudable as these things are, they don't want it. That's my view. I may be wrong. It's Look, like, at, let, let's, let's go to yeah. Bagada FC. It's so tired yeah. there. And they're doing great. They're even told they're doing great things. They're selling jails. They're doing things. You know, the established clubs just go cap in hand to their state government or their owners. These clubs are trying to do things a different way. Legit. You know, you know what I love about Bagada FC? Yeah. I've been wondering about the thinking behind the name. Yeah. Until the owner said, you know what? I could have named the team after myself, like you see everywhere. Yeah. In one year on National, Abiola Babes, Leventis United. He said, but I realized that if I do that, the fellowship will be limited. That once I put the, if I put the name of the community on it and we manage to grow it, that imagine on a, on a game day when I'm from Bagada, and therein this lies is my why team. we're praising these teams. They're trying yeah. to do things differently. One of the weaknesses of Nigerian clubs, which I've always said, is they never cultivate the local community. Oh, yes. They just assume we are in Lagos, the fans will come. <laughs> Lagos, <laughs> Lagos fans will Lagos. come. <laughs> they never make any concerted no. effort. Because, like, you can, for instance, you can do school visits, hospital visits, you know, at uh, festive periods, do things. They never do they that. Just, one thing just, just assume. One thing you just said now, just portraits what you yes. said, that the fans, the fan base, mm. people that actually follow are, are more advanced yeah. than the people that run the game. Now, the genesis of Bagada FC started from a local tournament. Okay. They had a local grassroots tournament and they had people pay 100 naira or 200 naira to come and watch. And they had about over a thousand people watch the competition. That was the genesis of the team. And he said to himself, if we can pull this much crowd in the community like Bagada, exactly. why don't we just set up a team and name them Bagada, Bagada FC? FC? That was the genesis of that team. Now, this is a team that, unfortunately, the pitch they have in Bagada is not good enough. So they have to play in Surule. Okay. But still... When they played the Sule last season in the NLO at the Legacy Pitch, they were collecting games. Match day experience. They had the match day program for every game. Every home game. Mm. Match day program for every game they had. All the sponsors got proper branding. Mm. Everything was well expressed. Now, merchandising, which 
a lot of NPFL clubs don't even bother right, about, about They're selling over 400 jerseys every year. Yeah, you might say 400 is small, but, but for, for the team level, in the top tier, mm, mm. and they're not selling <laughs> two five, one five. That jerseys are probably the most expensive jerseys out there. Today, their home jersey is uh, cost ten thousand naira, and they're and they selling four hundred. And they're selling four hundred. Do the math. They have they, they released the special anniversary jersey recently <laughs> to celebrate that seven hundred. That jersey is fifteen thousand. People are buying buying it. Yeah, not because yeah, I'll tell you when you finish. Not because oh, they, it's elitist or anything. The quality. Yeah. Object. And and the funny thing, I think it, uh, I don't think I, I don't think it's the quality. I think it's the ownership. No, the quality of the of the jerseys. No, no, the, the ownership of the team. Mm. Not only that, the quality of the jerseys. You need to see that. No, I think you're saying the same thing. You're saying the same thing. But saying I'm saying that saying the ownership that. of the team ensures that everything they do, they I, do I, it. Because I feel like it's my team, I'll pay for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's you know, why I sit here in Lagos mm, and I and I'm you know, there, there, there was a time shooting stars wanted to do something. I think body body subscribed to it. I know, but yeah. they never did it. Shooting stars fans, yeah, shooting yeah, stars fans. It's, it's a ticket across, across the world. You know, oh. that's why it goes back to the MPFL team we discussed the other time. If fans of these clubs can access these matches from across the world. It gives you an income stream that you cannot even quantify. Not now. Oh yeah, um, not only that. George Jesse told me that um, their game against Nela UFC. Mm. You know, they, they streamed the game live, mm. and he said um, uh, they, they got offers from scouts abroad. He said he said funny enough, the people that watch abroad they wanted two players from Nela and one from Vandreza. Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, so that's, that, that, that's the you advantage know? because that look at, we're talking has. about Vandreza, uh, their social media. How they are using social media, brilliant. Uh, Bagada merchandising and all these things, brilliant. Why can't our bigger clubs no, can't. do more of this? Is it, is it rocket science? Let me, let, me explain, let me explain one other thing to you. The sportswear manufacturer that produces Bagada FC's jerseys mm. also produces for some of the top clubs in the NPFL. And mm. I can assure you, if you compare the quality, the quality. of the jerseys, it's different. It's different. Let me now tell you my story. When um, a local manufacturing company started making jerseys for, for, for local teams, the guy, the guy knew that it would be difficult for him to get money out of the club. So he said, you know what, let me give you a deal. I'll give you 10 sets of jerseys, five home, five away for each player. For each player, 10 sets. He said, all I want from you in return, I'll give you 2,000 jerseys to sell mm. at 1,000 naira each. 1,000, 2,000. They, they never delivered. None of the clubs delivered because they didn't even try. The man resulted in selling the jerseys from the trunks of his car because they didn't even try. You know, I think one one of the models, one of the weaknesses of our model of football, I see, I see a twofold. One, because majority of the clubs in the NPFL are government owned, government funded. There is no, how do I put it now? There is no. Uh, willingness. Yes. No, there's no willingness to go out and explore yeah. income yep. opportunities on their own because they know we got our budget is X amount. Government government will give us that, but not knowing that you can still even if government gives you try and generate some more, but they don't have that mentality. You scrap in hand, you collect money and run it. Two, do they have the know how? Two, the incompetence. Guess what? Exactly. The incompetence of the so called. Administrators who don't even have a, a business model in their heads. Yeah. It's just collect money. They, they recently, we saw 
Was it aqua bombs that traveled by air? With E-bomb air, uh, the state. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether that's continuous, whether it's a one-off, but you know, a lot of things can be done to make things this flu and better and seamlessly. But I just feel that at the level of club side football, Van Dressag, Bagada, try to show a new face to it, but our bigger clubs honestly need to do more. They'll tell you that this all these things they're doing doesn't win matches. Mm. Doesn't win trophies. Sadly. Doesn't get to the continent. Is a dead, crazy, hilarious thought process. To even think that way. Now this one. Remember what China Jerry said when one of the previous Polakos teams were going to go on the continent and brand was ready to, mm. to be on their jersey. Yeah. And the state governor said, how much are they going to give us? That we cannot give the club. So you know, that is a very, 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 bad, very, very bad mindset. So. Very, very bad mindset, you know. So, um, at the end of the day, though, we have to encourage the likes of these clubs yeah, we have that to. are yeah, trying to, to do things differently. Mm. They may make some, they make some missteps. They, they will learn from their mistakes. They will learn from their errors. But, for instance, back to Van Dresen and their 12 camera shoots for matches. Why can't the NNL see that? Okay, this is an opportunity. Huge. Why can't I adopt this for every game and let it be an NNL thing, in which case no club can say you can't record? Yes. Because the league actually belongs to the NNL. Of course. And if the NNL says, I'm going to have a 12 camera shoot for every game, it's not your choice. You understand? Can we have something? Because I honestly believe, like we said last week, I honestly believe that this uh, online streaming is the way to go for our clubs, for our league. It's, if we manage it properly, we do it well, is the way to go. It, it, opens, it, 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 it opens a lot of windows, of yeah. opportunities. Okay. All right. I know that Yemi is a big fan of the Van Dressers and the Bagadas, but he's a big fan of some of the bigger heavyweights <laughs> in Nigerian football, the shooting stars, and all of that. So the question of heavyweights, let's go to boxing. Interesting things happening in the heavy division yeah. across the world. Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, we hear that they have not concluded. Well, they've been telling us they've signed, but we don't have a date here. We don't have a venue. Uh, the story is a lot of um, a lot of uh, venues, countries are bidding to host, but we expect that that's a fight that will happen sometime this year. A um, couple of days ago, Dillian White defeated um, Povetkin. Alexander Povetkin, I was surprised because Povetkin dealt with him easily in the first fight, but he got a first round knockout and he might be in with the title shot. There is uh, Andy Ruiz somewhere hanging in around. There is, of course, the, the man that uh, that was knocked out and we haven't had much from him. Deontay Wilder, who's gone a bit silent all of a sudden from where he was. But everybody is talking about, or everybody's hoping to see. Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. And you know, for all intents and purposes, I think this is a very, very tough fight to call. Reason, Tyson Fury is the most awkward boxer <laughs> you can ever face. He's unorthodox. He can fight Southpaw. He can fight Orthodox stand. Yeah. You never know what you're getting from him. He's got strength. He's rugged. And I'm sure nobody enjoys going to the ring with Tyson Fury, buddy. I think Tyson Fury's reputation grew because of the way mm. he dealt with Deontay Wilder. Yeah. Wilder 
42 fights, 14 knockouts, uh, 40, 41 knockouts before he met, um, before he met, uh, Tyson, Tyson Fury. Fury. Mm. And a lot of people call that fight wrong. Like you said, and I told the, the first fight. Yes, the first fight that was a draw. That was a draw. Mm. Oh yeah, even even the one that was a fight. See, the one even the one that was a draw, it was clear that uh, for me, I felt Fury won that fight. Okay, so you just made sure the second time that you will not call this exactly. And I think, like you said, is is the awkwardness of Fury that makes him uh, um, such a dangerous such such a dangerous Mm. opponent. But we have seen. How intelligent this yeah. this this uh, London Ijebu boy can be in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have seen how well he can adapt and change tactics when he needs to. We have seen that at one minute he can be vulnerable and 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 and, and wobble at a point. The, uh, the next minute he will take a punch and stay on his feet. And so you have two young men, thirty-one and thirty-two, who can. Be chameleonic in the ring. In their in their attitude. Exactly. Because I looked at the at, at the at, at the top ten heavyweights. Um of each of these top three are the top four, really, that's that's like you can only really reckon with the, the other the, the others are far far away from them. But these two, this that's why this particular fight is generating so much so much so, so much comment. Because one, the unpredictability of it, and two, the ring canniness that both have exactly mm-hmm. bring it to the ring with them. So for me, um, some have given Joshua the slight edge because, of course, you know, Fury can be flaky. Yeah, yeah, be very very flaky. Apart from that one time when uh, when um, uh, Joshua Joshua came into the ring against Ruiz and lost his way. Apart from that one time, he's usually he's well prepared, mm-hmm. and you, you know what you what you get for him for Fury. At, because he left for a while, yeah, and came back to win uh, uh, against. Uh, mm. th- that's so for me. I'll give Joshua the slight edge. Don't mess with Black. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I really want to see how we undo you know the awkwardness of Fury. But I mentioned uh, the Andy Ruiz uh, mishap for Joshua, and I think what happened to him in that fight was he's not used to. I think he was knocked down in the fight. One of the brothers now. Uh, Oh uh, yes, um, this, the Klitschko, the, Klitschko, the, 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 yes. one of the Klitschko brothers. Where I think he went to hell and back in that fight. Yeah, he was knocked <laughs> down. He got up and he won and the won. fight. But I guess Ruiz, I think what happened to him was he was stunned. He was knocked down. He was stunned, and he tried to get up, react quickly, and then he was knocked down again. And at the end of the, he he he, he lost that fight. The second Ruiz fight, you will see that. You know, the average person will say, this man knocked you out. You just like, no. He went in there. He was scientific. He was patient. Clinical. If I'm going to win by points, I'll win by points. He won on points, I think. And then, so I think he's learned a lot from that fight, from that loss. Because they say you learn more from your losses than your own victories. Yeah. But there's just something about Tyson Fury, personally, that if I'm a Joshua man, I'll be worried. Look at the first Deontay Wilder fight. How did he get up, get up from that, from that knockdown where he appeared dead? Donald, yeah. And he got up and, you know, still survived that fight and the fight ended in a draw. So, you're fighting a Tyson Fury. You honestly don't know what to expect. So, for me, Anthony Joshua, this is a dangerous fight. I think a lot of people 
don't pay much attention to what it takes to prepare for a fight. Yeah. The preparation for a fight is even greater mm, than the actual fight yeah, itself. Definitely. Definitely. Now, the loss against Ruiz, that was a critical point. He's been mm. preparing to fight um, Miller. Mm. You know, maybe yeah. Miller. So, and all of a sudden, that, that was tested really positive. positive yeah. And they had to switch. So imagine in a very short mm, period, they had to, they had to change and strategies properly. And I think that was the tipping point. Now you come to a Tyson Fury, awkward, eccentric, um, unpredictable, very unpredictable. <laughs> His ring mastery is a bit different from what Everybody you are else. used to. Mm. He's big, he's tall, but he moves pretty well in the ring. And he has a strong chin. And has a strong chin. So he comes up against the water that everybody feels okay. I felt he was the first proper boxer that Wada that 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 faced. Fight. Mm. And that's why I gave him the edge at that time. Yes, just like Buddy, I felt he won that first fight. The tipping point had to be that late knockdown mm, mm. that made them say, okay, well, he's knocked him down a draw. And that's why it was important in the second fight that I didn't let it go to the judges. Mm-hmm. A lot of controversial stuff have come out after that time. Now, if you don't look at both boxers, I think Fury has a bit of an edge. Why? Because I think he's had to face a lot more adversity okay. to get to where he is. He is from the off, field, off, out of the ring issues, personal problems, depression, depression yeah. you know, and all that. Too. Joshua also has had his issues. But I do think that he's had to face more of an uphill uh, task to come up the rank. Or like Joshua, where it seemed the path was, was more or less set, especially mm. after the Olympics. So in that case, I kind of give Fury a bit of an edge mm. going into the fight. Let's look at Deontay Wilder, buddy. How much of a hit or an impact that loss I've made on his career, knowing the brashness, the tough guy stance, the way he was talking, the baddest man on earth and all of that. Suddenly he's gone quiet. I think he's been humbled by that loss. But like we said, you learn more from your losses. He'll be waiting in the wings. I'm sure this uh, Fury-Joshua fight will be a two-fight agreement, yeah. possibly three, you know, because you have to milk all the money. But for Deontay Wilder, is he out of the equation totally? Or there's that little room waiting for him somewhere. I, I think there's a room. There's a, there's room. It, I, but it depends on what he has been doing in the interim. In the interim, um, I remember a, a fighter that I'll, I'll compare to him because of their fighting style and because of the ferocity of their mm. punching. Ifia Jagba. Okay. When when Ifia Jagba was going to the Olympics, the hype around here was was high. Oh, medal and all that. And then I saw if you're by the Olympics. And I, I, I think I wrote, I wrote an, an article that they scammed us. <laughs> they didn't tell us that if, if, if you're is not a boxer, that a slug guy no more, he's a boxer, he's a brawler. You know? But if you're a jagger, that I've seen that, that when they have to turn professional, Mm. I think he's taking bo- uh, uh, yeah, taking boxing. So tidied up the yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So he's had a bit of finesse. Edges, yeah. to, 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 so now he can mix it a bit. He's still not there. I, I think that's why you have they have not pushed him up to start. Are you saying uh, Wilder? I'm saying too much on his raw power. Ex- on his raw power. Mm. If Wilder, because right now everybody, everybody has seen that. Okay, 
Yes, if you lance that punch, you are gone. But if you if you evade him enough, that's around him enough, frustrate him and clock him, mm. he'll yeah. go down. Yeah. So now you now we, we know you two can go down. You know? So now what has he done since that fight? He, he can't come back into the ring. The same man that went to the ring against Tyson Fury. If he does, I, I think the fear factor is gone. Mm, yes, the fear factor is gone. Oh, definitely. So he has to bring something else to the table. Mm. So he can't show up now. The world, yes, it was the baddest man on, the, on on earth, but that was before. Before, yeah, that exactly. Before. Not anymore. And I think, you know, on I, the, so I think another thing is that this Fury Joshua thing has somehow boxed him, put everybody completely on the back, in the yeah, background, out of the equation. So it's like Fury and Joshua are fighting the Premier League. Is it matter for the rest to scramble exactly. for what for, uh, for a chance mm-hmm. to? So mm-hmm. they have to now sort out the business end. Now is to match Wilder, Ruiz, exactly. Why uh, mm-hmm. Dylan White? Mm-hmm. All of them. Mm-hmm. Let them eliminate themselves, and then they are waiting in the wings for whatever happens in the because, Premier League. See, because Syria those Premier, they are, they are going to have probably two, three fights. Yeah, most likely, most likely, at least two, at least two, at least two. Because Before any of these other ones, so at least two. It is that interim. Why right? these ones are fighting the, those two for that? Why they has to come up again with a fight or two to you show, know, to show that it has changed? Again about Tyson Fury is when he was going to fight Klitschko, and um, I gave him zero on chance a, on our radio show. Then myself and Joseph Faulkner actually predicted that he would win because of the awkwardness and which he won. So he's beaten Klitschko. He's beaten Wilder. Those are heavy sluggers. What's that to fear? And I think psychologically, I think he has an advantage over Anthony Joshua because it's like I've mixed it with the best. Yeah. And I came out on skate, so to speak. But I also feel that, but he made a point, I also feel that Anthony Joshua, following the Ruiz debacle, has learned a lot. He's confident in his own skin and he has become a better, much Boxer. better tactician yeah. in the ring. So hold on, my question is. Is Anthony Joshua will, will Anthony Joshua be the best boxer Fury ever faced? Hmm. Probably the best, not boxer and cool, but probably the best tactical boxer because most people underrate Tyson Fury. Most prior to now, but Anthony Joshua would definitely not, not underrate. Him. Anthony Joshua will come with his clear strategy. Almost, you know. I'm still seeing. If you look at the people that you, you mentioned, Klitschko, you mentioned Wilder. No, I agree with you. I think his answer is yes. I think Anthony Joshua will probably be the best boxer he's faced because of what has gone on. And if Anthony Joshua had not lost any fight prior to now, he yeah, probably lose this fight. He probably lose this fight. That's with that the fact key. that he's lost, he's seen adversity, he's seen how easy it is for you to lose a fight. You are not probably there for. And he's also seen what Tyson Fury did to Wilder. Exactly. He knows that he has to be hundred and ten percent present for this game for this fight. I still tip for Fury. Mm-hmm. That awkwardness. There's just something about his awkwardness and, f- and, and apparent fearlessness. Yes, his size, his the wingspan, way, the way he even interacts. Before yeah. he, you know, he talks. He talks a good game. Mm. He talks really dirty going mm. into a fight. That the psychology. Of going into a fight with someone, I think he always seems to have an, edge an advantage over his opponent. But definitely, it's a great time for heavyweight boxing. Oh, so yes, back to the days of the Ali, 
Liz Freelance, yeah. uh, Larry Holmes, Joe Frazier era. And this definitely appears like we're in for an exciting. We didn't mention a fair Jagba. It would be nice to see how he's continuing to develop. Yeah. Maybe one step at a time. He's doing well in the programs one step at a time. Maybe he will become a contender as well. Having said all of that, I'll take predictions from you too. And you know, we have this podcast recorded. So <laughs> <laughs> I think what is tipping Anthony Joshua. Yeah. To win that fight, I, I think Joshua Joshua will win on points. Points, points, points. Yeah, points for Tyson Fury. I mean, yeah, I think I think Fury will win on points. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll say he draw. <laughs> <laughs> it's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they both, they both champions. <laughs> you know, because I don't and trust the, this guy. The and, riches, and the judges, the riches in the heavyweight division. Everybody wants the trilogy. Yes, yeah. because by the time they finish those three fights. They will have made a, ton, a of ton of money. So you cannot run out, run away from these possibilities. But definitely, like we said, there will be two fights. And I think those two fights will happen this year. One probably happen in June. Another one maybe mm-hmm. in December, mm-hmm. later in the year. For the Deontay Wilders and the Dillian Whites, they have to wait their turn. So we're talking about the era of the great boxers and all of that. Happened recently. A great boxer passed on. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. <laughs> Marvelous Marvin Hagler. But you remember that three rounds with Hitman Hearns? Ah, it's the most brutal three rounds of goodness you ever saw. Goodness. You know, if you have, I know when he died, some people um, reference that fight. Mm. But if you listen to this and you haven't seen, go and Google it. Yeah. Go and look for that fight on YouTube. Um, Marvin Hagler. I have never. I have never. You know, you you know that in uh, in 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 the in the, uh, in, in the lower weights, yeah. the fly weights, the feather weights, they fight furious mm. because for them to land a knock, knockout blow, it takes a while. But for guys in the middle weights to come out furiously like that for three rounds, and when that fight started, I was thinking this man is going to kill, he's going to get himself killed. That's uh, mm. Tommy Hans. Man, you're going to get yourself killed because Hagler had this reputation. Of being a fearsome puncher. Yeah. Yes, Tommy has to pack a punch. But you look at both of them, and whereas Marvin Hagler is well built from head to toe, yeah. mm. Tommy has his top heavy, top heavy, and has splendid legs. 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 So yeah. I was feeling, legs, man, yeah. you are setting mm. yourself up to be killed. You know, but, but those three rounds were furious. And what he just talked about something that brings about strategy. Hagler was so fearsome. Yeah. Such a terrific puncher. So when he was going to fight Sugar Ray, hmm. people that were fight. like, Sugar Ray, your head will be taken off your neck. That fight is still In this suspect. Fight. It's still suspect. But what, what, what happened? No, was I that? don't agree. <laughs> what Sugar Ray did was Sugar Ray knew, I can't take this guy toe to toe. Toe to toe. So it's strategy, it's points. Because I, I saw an interview where they were saying, when um, they were interviewing two of them, and Hagler was like, your punches were not hurting me. And Sugar Ray said, Points man. points, man. I was gathering points. I think you know, I was in... Hagler was looking for almost uh, the knockout punch. Well, that was jabbing and moving in typical... That fight was 79 or 80? Can't remember the year. No, uh, I, think it was, I think it was probably 1980. 1980. Yeah, I remember taking a bet with my classmates that... And everybody was like, buddy, are you all right? He's going to kill him. I said, look, you have, you've got to... Mm-hmm. You've got to hit the man first to knock him out. You've it got gets, to hit him it first. It gets to what we're talking about, strategy. If your strategy is not right, or if your strategy is right, you can win a fight. If your strategy is not right, you probably lose yeah. the fight. So Sugar Ray knew 
It's like he who fights and runs away. Jab, jab, <laughs> jab steps away. Jab steps away. And Hagler, I think, was loading up. He was, he was waiting for that punch. For that one punch. Yeah, but and it didn't work. I've actually seen that fight. I I've seen it more. I'm, I'm sure I've seen it more, more, more yeah, times. Than I've probably, seen it. But I've seen, I'm sure I've, I saw it recently. Yes, I did too. Okay, I looked at that fight recently. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the result was suspect. Mm-hmm. I think Hagler actually did win that fight. Forget about the points. Sure was 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 good. Was good. No, let's points. put that aside. You can't put it aside now. It's part of the sport. It's part of the in sport. In terms of the intensity, mm. the 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 punch, the landing of the punches, the more you see, oh, the, the, landing yeah, of punches. Calm down. Points. See, I remember that fight because it's it um a slight um glove tap. It's the same as boom boom. Exactly. So you 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 are looking at oh I. When he lands with heavy punches, if the man is not knocked down, it's one point. They you know, don't count. Like you say in football when they talk about uh, you the, no, you are beating only the small teams. Uh, you beat the small teams, you beat the t- three, three points. Teams, three, three points. Three points. So I'm going to give you more points for beating the big team. So, but that was a beautiful era oh, in boxing. You see, in what, both the middleweight and the heavyweight. And the heavyweight that yes. era, I'm about to say. Thanks to Chukamama back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, definitely. NTA Saturday nights. Mm. That was what made me like boxing and mm. basketball back then. Did you ever read the Ring magazine? Maybe once Ring. or twice. Yeah. Ah, I was addicted. That period made me, because that was like the center. The fight that's most memorable to me after the Hans Agla fight mm. had to be the no mass fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Durant's second fight. Mm. It, it was really the golden era of You know, when you're talking about this, it makes me remind, it reminds me of my mom. My mom always wondered when we were watching any combat sport, wrestling, boxing, my mom sees us, comes to the room and we're excited. And my mom was like, why? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> These two people, do they know each other for real? <laughs> yeah, they want to kill each other. Are you even laughing? I mean, the price, so, you know, that was, that was combat sport. But those were guys no, who were gladiators. And we're getting back to the gladiatorial level because yeah. with what we had discussed about the Tyson Furies and the Anthony Joshua's, and that promises to be a very, very good fight. So, thank you guys. That's where we wrap up Sports Races Podcast for this week. It drops every Thursday. Next week, watch out for something much more exciting. Thank you guys.